Al, we got more Yakuza to talk about today. We do. We also got whatever Sony did to talk about today. Whatever that was. <laughs> whatever that was. <laughs> so some some stuff to talk about today. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Welcome to this week's episode of the Season Lamb Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Episode 219. I'm Jared, joined as always by Doc Al and Ladium. Hello. Yeah, we're going to talk about Yakuza Kiwami 2, because Al got to experience that in our ongoing series of Al Experiences the Yakuza series. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk briefly about the Sony state of play, because, uh, yeah. I feel like we have to address it, but... Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Sony held their state of play, their... their latest state of play thing on thursday last week mm-hmm. and it would yeah it was just whatever i think i go into a lot of those sony things and it's like they're not going to show anything that i'm really interested in yeah. and then every time it's they don't show anything i'm really interested in so it's just like eh, whatever yeah it's it's kind of the same for me i'm not really expecting a whole lot of excitement out of them um because they don't usually i don't want to say they don't like pander to to people who play games like us, but they don't really on those these things. They don't branch out as much as like Microsoft or Nintendo would. Right, right. Like they have like their core focus of like we want these types of games that we're gonna show, and that's basically it. And we typically don't fall into those categories. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, it, it was kind of um it's kind of a wet fart. A lot of it was basically a lot like some stuff that they've already announced. So like it was just like here's a new look at this game or this game. I think there was a few new announcements in there, but it was like eh, nothing. Yeah. I was like, oh wow, this is interesting. Like the only thing that I, like outside of the last game that we're gonna talk about that I was like, oh hey, this is interesting, but we already knew about it was the the new game from the developers of Hyperlight Drifter. Yeah. Um, which looks really cool. So like that's something that like is interesting and everything. But again, it was something we already knew about. So it's nothing like, oh wow, this is something we haven't seen before. But um, I think the big thing that came out of that state of play was the announcement of Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, Intrograde, Retrograde. Final Fantasy think, VII is now in Retrograde. I think it's Intergrade. <laughs> intergrade. Uh, a PlayStation Five exclusive DLC bridging the gap, presumably between whatever Final Fantasy VII Remake and whatever the next game is going to be. Yep. Where you get to play as Yuffie. Starring Yuffie. Which is interesting. Um, already, you basically mentioned this, like, none of the stuff in this in this thing happens in the original game, which obviously, uh-huh. we're well off the tracks of the original game by this point, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were, like, on the track for maybe, like, 20 minutes, and then we took a hard veer into Crazy Town. Not the band, but, you know... Tetsuya Nomoraville. Yeah, exactly. And we're just real lost in that area at this point. Because I was like, Yuffie didn't go to Midgar until we took her to Midgar. Also, she's got some new dude with her who just looks like some generic <laughs> character. Yeah, he really does. I like, all um, right, you totally look like you fit here, buddy. She's got a new, like, Moogle cloak, which is real cool. Also, I do like the Moogle cloak. There's some character from, like, what, Dirge of Cerberus or Before Crisis. It's one of the, the spinoffs. Yeah. And everyone's just like, what? Who is this? Yeah. <laughs> Except for the people who have played that spinoff and are like, oh, my God, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I mean, if it's before Crisis, we didn't get that. But I don't remember him from Crisis Core. It, so it, it might have been. Be, it might have been Dirge, and I. Didn't I don't remember that specifically. Yeah, because I. It might have been Dirge. I think because I remember seeing that and be like, "Oh, that's the game Al doesn't like." Yeah, Dirge is bad. It should feel bad. Uh, also, of course, they kind of made a big thing about you know the Final Fantasy or the PlayStation Five version of the Final Fantasy Seven remake, which you can get for a free upgrade if you buy the PlayStation Four version. If you get the PS Plus version, you are not you are SOL. Yep, yep. <laughs> also, that trailer was just very weird because it was like graphics. It was very weird and quality like, of life. The issue with it is that a lot of time I thought the PS Four version looked better because it was brighter. And, like, the PS5 one was just, like, so dark. It was like, who turned down their settings on their TV? Jesus Christ. It looked like they just put, like, a grainy filter over, like, the PS4 version just to make it look worse. Yeah, it was odd. It's very weird. But, yeah, that's that's out there. That's going to be coming to the PS5 at some point. UP's um, PS5 exclusive. Which seems so weird because, like, obviously, PS5s are still not readily available for people to purchase at the time, the PS4 was a gangbuster of a console for Sony. Like, why would you not put that out on both? Yeah, because not everyone's not going to go out and get a PS5 right now. Well, they can't. Yes, exactly. But like, they're definitely not going to go get it for a Eufy DLC that we don't know the cost of yet. Yeah, that seems super weird. Like they've got the they've got the Intergrade um, pre-orders up, and I think it's like seventy or eighty or something like that. I think that's just for like the 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 remake oh because i think it comes with it but i think i think i saw that the dlc is like 20 maybe okay kind of goes in line with how that would probably be priced and whatnot mm-hmm. but yeah but like it's that, still a very odd choice yeah i don't i don't quite get it but it's, it's square they're not going to make the most <laughs> intelligent decisions at at all times they're really good at making bad decisions yeah yeah, so that was an odd, odd decision to be like, oh, we'll just make it PS5 exclusive. It's like, mm. you know, when, once they start making more PS5s and people aren't having to, like, get in weird internet lines and failing miserably every single time to get one, like, maybe we could try that then. But for now, it's kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. And then after the state of play, they put out two more announcements, Square did, that kind of yeah. overshadowed overshadowed the entirety of the state of play because they announced Final Fantasy VII Battle Royale. Oh my god, that was a mistake. It was a, It's a mobile. Yeah, because who doesn't... I mean, granted, I do not want to play a Battle Royale game on mobile, but god, do a lot of people want to play a Battle Royale game on mobile. Oh my god. Like, I mean, there's a reason, like, why PUBG Mobile is one of the most popular games on mobile devices. Like, why Fortnite is very popular on mobile devices, if you can play it or whatnot. Why that Call of Duty mobile game is very popular on mobile devices. Like, people really like playing Battle Royale games on mobile devices, even though, like, I think that's a terrible way to play them. That sounds like an awful idea, but also I just don't like those games, so, like, eh. But yeah. I'm not the target audience for that. This game seems weird. I think it's, like, it seems like it's melee-focused, which, sure... Looks like it. It's odd. I cannot I wait to, to spend seventy dollars and get a cool Sephiroth skin that's like shirtless <laughs> that I can play in this battle royale game. Because you know that's how they're going to like market this. Is like, oh, you know, you could get your regular dudes, but what if we come over here and spend some money, get some classic Final Fantasy VII skins? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely how they're gonna do it. Yeah. 
The other so, one was way more interesting to me. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, which is basically mm-hmm. a they're a retelling of the original Final Fantasy VII story. Presumably, I'm guessing the PS1 version, and mm-hmm. then also all of the side content. So like, yeah, before Crisis, Crisis Core, Dirge of Cerberus, and also Advent Children. Which like those last two could be left off, and that's fine, but. <laughs> Um, like I said, I don't think Before Crisis has ever come out in English here, so this might be the first time we're getting that localized. And Crisis Core is the best thing in the entire Final Fantasy VII universe, story-wise. So, like, pretty stoked to see that. Um, like, the art style's cute. I like it. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with it. But it's episodic, so that's going to be a thing. Yeah, that that's gonna be like the bad thing is that like it's gonna be episodic and everything, like you said. But you're probably also gonna have to pay for each individual episode. Uh, yeah. I would hope they learned their lesson from Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition and make a make the gameplay not completely just terrible. That's what I'm worried about. Is it's gonna end up being a Pocket Edition type game? And I'm like, Ugh, please don't do that. Yeah. Um, although one of the things that I am interested to see how they replicate it because like the, the battles that they were showing look a lot like battles in the remake. Correct. Um, and I'm wondering how they would handle the battles in crisis Core Cause that plays very differently. Well, we'll wait. We'll probably get there in like two years or something. So maybe at one point we'll be able to figure that out. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I guess like you would have to say the same thing about like, how do they do battles in the other other games? That's or other true. content. Like, Avid Children doesn't have gameplay. It was no, a movie. And, and, and Dirge is like a third-person shooter type thing. Yeah, so, like, I guess those are decisions they'll make eventually once they get there, and they have a lot of time probably to get there. So, it's just one of those things they can be like, hey, we're doing this, but how we're doing this, I have no clue. We I mean, don't even know. the good thing is, is that they're doing it episodic like this, I just don't have to buy the dirge stuff. I don't have to buy the Advent Children stuff. I can get the stuff that I want and get the hell out. True. Or just wait until it comes eventually to consoles when it's like everything bundled into one. That's true. And then just and probably cheaper. Yeah. Before I get to that part. Um, I think I also saw somewhere where Namor said he's not going to be involved in the second game. Yeah, I saw he's, that. He's, he's focusing it on other projects, which means he's going full in on remaking Final Fantasy Versus 13. <laughs> you know what? Maybe he would stop being so terrible if they just let him make that game. No. You're right. You're right. No. I wonder, though, if that was not entirely his decision. Eh, you never know. You That's never true. know. He's going he's gonna to somehow try and sneak his way back into Final Fantasy fourteen because they announced for the, the next expansion pack they're taking away belts, so he's going to try and somehow make a character that has just compar- comprised of all belts to counteract it. Wait, wait, wait. They're taking away belts? Why would they take away belts? It's an equipment. Equipment slot is belts. Oh. And they're like, belts are kind of useless. We're just going to take them away. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, but yeah, that's the... A lot of weird Final Fantasy news. Yeah. And then a whole lot of nothing else. Yeah. whole lot of nothing else from that state of play for the most part. Uh, so let's move forward into 
our third installment in Al Experiences the Yakuza series. We finished Yakuza Kiwami 2. Yeah. And that is a that is a video game. Uh, we also have talked about this game before. I don't remember. On episode ninety five. That was a long time ago. <laughs> October twenty eighteen. Oh where we God. also talked about a little game called Love Live School Idol Festival. <laughs> oh. What a combination of games that is. No kidding. So we won't go like fully into like the story and everything because we've technically already talked about it. If you want to hear about that, go listen to that. And you mm -hmm. can hear me try and recount through the entirety of that story probably very poorly. Um, <laughs> but I, we definitely wanted to talk about some just like different things from this game. Um since you are coming to it, you have a new perspective and everything, and I want to hear mm -hmm. your thoughts and opinions about it and all that. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about development history of this game. So I don't know if we talked about this last time. We probably didn't. Because um, this obviously is a... Kiwami 2 is a remake of Yakuza 2, which originally came out in Japan on the PlayStation 2 in December 2006, and then didn't come out over here until September of 2008. Wow. So, like, I guess, like, if you were voting for PlayStation 2 Game of the Year, it was Yakuza 2 and Persona 4. And then, I don't know, FIFA 09, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe, like, a wrestling game. Because I think that the, the wrestling games were still coming out on PS2 by this point. Um, yeah, very late era PS2 game. Man. To say the least. Uh, so, this is a development about the original release. Uh, Yakuza 2 was announced in August 2006, with Sega promising an improved fighting system and further exploration. Uh, Nagoshi commented on some of his goals with Yakuza 2. In addition to providing a deeper dramatic storyline over what was found in the original, the game also has some themes that were not in the original, including an adult love story. <laughs> uh, the Sega team considered fan input when making changes to Yakuza 2. One of the main aims in developing Yakuza 2 was improving its fighting engine. Accounting for fights against multiple opponents was one of the most important things that were considered when improving the fighting engine. It was made much easier, for instance, to attack foes that come at the player character from multiple directions and to switch targets in the middle of combo in order to quickly take out someone who may have snuck up on your flank. As a result, the fighting system was polished and the staff believed they succeeded. In localizing the game, the Japanese audio was kept instead of producing an English dub. This proved no difficulties. Uh, the team also added more heat moves to make the fights more exciting. Uh, the director of the voice recordings discouraged the voice actors from falling back on the cliches of anime character acting. When scenes involving characters exchanging insults and threatening each other take on cartoon cadences, the sense of tension and suspense evaporates. The decision not to use an overblown style of acting was what the composer thought it added. Was what the composer thought it added to the d distinctive dramatic feel of the series. That's a weird sentence. That is a weird sentence. Uh, and then, like we said, this is the first game in the series to feature only Japanese voice acting for its U.S. power releases as a response to the criticism of the English voice acting in the first game. And then, basically, that's how it goes for the rest of the series up till 7. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, we're not going to do the English thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I wonder if it would have even been localized if they had to do a dub. Because of cost. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question as well. Because... Do you want to put that much money into a game that's going to come out two years after the fact? Yeah. When you could just be like, let's just put it in the Japanese oven. That's and if you're playing a game like this, like you're probably going to like people are going to more like kind of gravitate towards just, just wanting the original Japanese audio mm -hmm. instead. So it just makes a little bit more sense in that regard as well. Uh, so that's that's Yakuza 2's kind of development history. It's not a whole lot, unfortunately, but. 
Um, Kiwami 2 also adds in a bunch of new stuff because, you know, that's usually how these remakes kind of go. Um, they This is the second game they used with the Dragon Engine, which was introduced in 6, which kind of gives you a lot more freeform uh, fighting and everything. Uh, there's, like, collision on, like, a bunch of objects in the in the world and everything. Everything just looks way prettier than the, the engine they used for Yakuza 0 and Yakuza Kiwami. Um, Jared just runs into every bike he sees and every bench that he sees he just destroys with Kiryu's shins. That's right. As you do. That's how you have to go through this game. Amazing. Why wouldn't you? Haruka even learned because at one point she took out some bikes too. I was like, good job. Proud of you. <laughs> uh, so, well. so this game adds in some like new stuff as well. Like there is a the Majima Saga plot, which adds in some Majima story. A lot of this game, like they kind of like they saw the popularity of Zero and were mm-hmm. like, let's add in a lot of Zero content for people mm-hmm. who like that game, which is a, a very smart decision and also yes. kind of like lets you kind of get some closure on some stories from that game as well. Um, so there's the Majima Saga stuff. There is the uh, clan creator stuff um, where you get to play as uh, Majima Construction and do some real-time strategy tower defense. Uh, and then they bring back the Cabaret Club minigame from Yakuza 0. Uh, and they add some like little bits and pieces there to improve upon that. Um, there's also, of course, uh, you get to play some arcade games. They only have like two in this game, which is kind of unfortunate. You play Virtual Fighter 2 and Virtual On. Um, but that's basically about it. <laughs> and the P games. Oh yeah, they they brought in like the the toilet games where you get to literally play games as you pee, which is just weird. <laughs> that's so weird. Because why why not? Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, I want to know if they have those for women. I need to know. That's a good question. But yeah, we. We played one, and we forgot to go back and play the other one. Yeah, I think I did it, like, immediately first off, because I wanted to show you how weird this was. Yeah. Because <laughs> we like, were playing yeah. the Majima story first, I think you were like, hey, look, let's go do this as Majima. Let's go pee. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, you know what? If if either of these dudes was going to play the pee game, I think it would be Majima. It's true. Like, I think out of, out of him, him and Kiryu, it would be him. It would, that would, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, Kiwami 2 is also actually not the first time they re they did like a remaster or a remake of this game. Oh. They uh they put a, a a kind of HD remaster on the PS3 in Japan only, I think. Uh oh. where they did a 1 and 2 HD edition for those games. And then also Yakuza 1 and 2 came to the Wii U <laughs> in what? 2013. What? Yep. Oh my god. Was that Japan only too? That was also Japan only. It was also the first time that a Yakuza game had been on a non-Sony platform at the time. Wild and which now now that's like common because they're like they go to PC, they go they're now big on Xbox as well now. So it's like that's not really that big of a deal. But then it was, and also just yeah, like, sure the Wii U. <laughs> the Wii U. All right. I'm sure that was. I think it's like 2013 is around like the time the Wii U launched. Sounds about right. So that's probably around the time when develop like third party developers are still like, maybe we'll give this Wii U a shot. <laughs> and then like a month later they're like, now nah, we're good. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna focus up on uh PS4 and Xbox One development and just like uh sorry Nintendo. You goofed. Oh man. Uh 
I want to talk about Clan Creator real quick. Okay. I think I talked yes. about this last time we played this, but yes. It's a very weird thing. You get to see Majima trying to build stuff. You get the fantastic uh, poster where he just where the slogan is, we build We build Very good. Real good. And then also, it's just, here's another way for us to bring in pro wrestlers into a Yakuza game, because that's just a match made in heaven. <laughs> um, so... Yakuza 6 brought in a bunch of, at the time, current day New Japan pro wrestlers uh, into that game. Uh, Yakuza Kwame 2 brings in a bunch of like uh, older wrestlers, some that wrestle, some that don't wrestle anymore. So in this game, you get Keiji Muto, Masahiro Chono, Riki Choshu, uh, Genichiro Tenryu, and Tatsumi Fujinami. Uh, and they are all modeled very well in this game they have the face scans they voice act in this game so like some of the voice acting is a little funky just because like they're not voice actors in the slightest right <laughs> uh, but it's just real funny to see them in this game and then like casually doing like their wrestling poses and stuff like that or catchphrases in the midst of being or like trying to act like oh we're like real estate hawks stuff like that or like chono's the leader of the colors gang and all this sort of stuff it's very weird and goofy I got to learn about people bleeding from their forehead and cutting their forehead. Yeah, because you get to see, you got to see Keiji Budo and his horrible blade job scars on his forehead. Yeah, and that was, you said that. I was like, what? So then yeah. he had to explain to me how that works, and that was wild. And then there was the one guy who just said all the time. Yeah. Masahiro Chono is just too cool. Uh, it's funny we were playing this, and the, like, in the time we were playing this, uh, Keiji Budo won, like, the pro wrestling Noah like world title <laughs> because they're like sure let's just give this old guy our our top title <laughs> <laughs> to a guy who like has literally no knees anymore oh god ow you also get to like go hang out with them at bars at one point yeah and, like there's the one where they're trying to like figure out how to pick up ladies and it's hilarious it's super it's really funny, dumb like, and good <laughs> Kiryu's there, Majima's there, all the wrestler guys are there, and they're, like, going off of this book that one of them picked up in a convenience store, I yeah. think. And it has, like, this, like, rule thing, which we were talking about, like, that had to have been real hard to localize. Because mm -hmm. um, it's based off of, like, some, like, vocalizations, and you're like, hey, it's, this one is th this thing, and it's, uh, these phrases on, like, how to pick up women, it's so, so funny legitimately like i think i think it made me laugh out loud i don't know you it's were there. really goofy it's really goofy <laughs> it was an enjoyable experience and then there's the one where they're trying to like pronounce the fancy restaurant food yeah and that was awesome curious <laughs> like i can read this let me say this fancy food like i'm glad they kind of like they they obviously they they let them kind of like be tough guys and like the main story but then like they have these little side things where they like they just go full into like the comedy and goofiness of just what a yakuza game is yeah and like they just fully kind of like buy into it as well so like it really really works in like those scenes because it's just it's so just not what you'd expect it was amazing it was yeah. really really fun i don't know who any of those guys are but it was still really good well i know you you weren't you weren't watching japanese pro wrestling in the early to mid 90s so of course you do not know who these guys are <laughs> i definitely was not it was not how many okay let me i'm gonna take a look here how many of these wrestlers have been on north american wrestling television i'm going to say at least four of them have because Keiji Mudo was in WCW. 
as the Great Muda. He has he has two two characters he plays. One where he oh. like played puts face paint on himself and acts like a demon, and then one where he's just in no, his normal self. All right. <laughs> so he was a uh, mainstay in the early '90s and then mid '90s as well. Chono came over in the mid '90s because of he was a part of NWO Japan. Tenryu wrestled in the WWF in the mid '80s and then somehow pops up in the early '90s as well. And then Fujinami, I think, may have came over at some point, but also he's in the WWE Hall of Fame because, sure, why not? It's real weird. My knowledge and time in the world of wrestling was very, very short and very minimal. It's it, It's been growing just because you know me. Yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, I basically knew, like, Hulk Hogan existed and The Undertaker existed. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. But that's... Oh, oh, and that, that Steve Austin guy and, like, yep. the, the Rock exists. Yep. So, like, that's basically what I knew. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, also, like, we talked, uh, we talked about all these guys in the game. There's someone who, like, is a voice actor in these games that I didn't realize until I was looking to the credits of Kiwami 1... Mm-hmm. And that is the florist who is played by Yoshiaki Fujiwara, who is like a very old pro wrestler. This dude is 71 years old. Oh, my God. Uh, he literally was like one of the first graduates of the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo in the early 70s. Um, was like one of the first proponents of creating uh, shoot style pro wrestling, which is like a mix of like making it real and fake at the same time. It's like it's like. What if you made pro wrestling mixed martial arts? If that makes sense. Um, he was like a big proponent of that in like the late 80s, early 90s as well. Um, literally trained by Carl Gotch, who they literally call him in, J- in Japan the god of wrestling. <laughs> oh, wow. Which, yeah, that's saying something. Uh, but yeah, like he's just like this very famous wrestler who's like helped train a bunch of wrestlers that that are going nowadays as well help train mma guys as well and it's like it's weird to just like see him in this as just like a voice actor who's like just playing a character like they don't he's not face scanned in this game mm-hmm. and he's been playing this character since like the beginning of the series and i just never knew that until i was looking through because like is that the same fujiwara and it's like that's the same fujiwara that's real weird wow <laughs> it's just incredibly strange like and he you know he does a good job like he's not just like oh, I'm just, like, a celebrity voice actor who's coming in to do this. Like, I think he does his role, like, really well. Surprisingly so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have thought he was just a voice actor that I hired to do it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I would have thought that he was, like, a pro. Yeah. There's nothing really off to me about him. Like, yeah. some of the other ones, you can tell, like, there's some stiltedness and some awkward delivery. Yeah. But, like, this guy is just like, yeah, sure, whatever. I got this. It's wild. Like, all right, cool. Good job, florist man. It's very wild. Uh... Cabaret stuff that came they they reused from Zero is back here. You, it's real. It basically it's the same kind of level of goofiness that you have in Zero. Mm-hmm. But this time you have Kiryu as the manager, so it's just like a different level of goofiness. And then like there's a bunch of just like the way they tie it into the stuff from Zero, where like basically they kind of assume you did the Cabaret Club stuff in Zero. So like Club Sunshine is now like the biggest club in Sotenbori. Yeah, when you showed me that when we were doing the the Majima thing for the first time, I was like, "What is that? It's huge!" <laughs> it's very good. And then like the club that you end up having to like run is ran by Yuki, who was like the the number one girl in Sunshine and Zero. Yep. 
who's now just like managing the place and everything and she's got and she's adorable it's real fun like i'm glad that they really kind of like lean into like we're going to yes exactly kitties agree <laughs> um they lead into like just like making it like an extension of the zero story again yeah it was great and bringing back a, like a lot of characters and then like at one point just majima shows up to be like yep. the announcer for the the cabaret grand prix and then it's just like you get this like real good back and forth between Yuki and Majima about like why because she hasn't seen Majima in 20 years and she sees him now with like his wacky haircut and everything she's like what did you do to yourself why do you look like that (laughs) and I was like she gets it (laughs) and then like they just um, like they have not seen each other in 20 years and they immediately just pick up just like dunking on each other (laughs) it's immediately back to their dynamic it's fantastic it's real good it's so good and like having him basically like narrate your your cabaret thing it was so funny like it's really really good because you're like oh man this guy's a pro he knows what he's talking about he's he's done this <laughs> he's done this before um also worth mentioning kiryu gets a cummerbund and you learned what a cummerbund is it's true um and so that's hilarious to me that they're just like all right you're gonna run this place you're gonna have to wear a cummerbund <laughs> And I, I'm just trying to imagine how that conversation went. He's like, uh. <laughs> how did they find one that fit that beefy man? It's true. I also love that, like, when Majima shows up and, like, he starts talking with Yuki and everything, he's like, wait, how do you guys know each other? He's like, and Majima's like, yeah, I, I ran Club Sunshine for a little bit. That's how I, get, I got big. He's like, wait, what do you mean? What you, <laughs> you mean that Lord of the Night stuff was real? That wasn't <laughs> yeah. some, you were just putting that on? <laughs> and yeah, everyone's like, I- yeah, that was very true. <laughs> I found out that that was something that's in Majima everywhere. Mm-hmm. That he, he shows up at one point in like the Lord of the Night outfit stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is wild. But yeah, like, Majima's like, yeah, totally. That, that, that would be. <laughs> and Kiryu this whole time just thought he was just like bullshitting him. <laughs> which, like, I mean. To be fair, like, I, I would completely understand why Kiryu would think that. But it's just like, it's hilarious that Majima's like, yeah, everyone. And everyone around him, like, yeah, this is, that was, that was completely true. Yep. Like, he was very big in this town during that time, and Kira's like, what is happening? <laughs> um, also, the, the, the former owner of uh, Club Sunshine shows up, too. Mm-hmm. The, the, what's his name? Yoda or something. So that's with a Y. Yeah, should, uh, I, I, I forget as well, but yeah, he shows up as well, and it's... It just gets real goofy and dumb. And then, like, the end of that that whole s- s- saga is the most dumb this game, I think, gets. <laughs> and it's perfect. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> man. And it's, like, it's, again, it's another callback to Zero, but, like, man, it's just so dumb. And so good. I did not expect that when we started that quest to get Yuki a gift. Mm-hmm. Did not expect it. I immediately remembered. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. She she has to go into work every single day now and look at a gold statue of Kiryu posing. <laughs> every single day. It's hilarious. Oh man, just like I don't want this. <laughs> and then everyone, like all the guys, was like, "Yeah, this is a great idea. We should do this." Yeah. <laughs> and they're so proud of themselves. They are. It's so funny. 
But I guess like if it's an option for Kiryu in zero and an option for Majima in zero, of course they would think it's a great option in two. God. They'd be like, heck yeah, let me make this statue. It's ridiculous. Hilarious. Absolutely ridiculous. Is a good a good cap to that entire story. The only thing that made me a little uncomfortable about the cabaret stuff is that like you go on dates with the girls instead of like training them. And a lot of them are much younger than you. I mean, that's that's literally just like how like the hostess club stuff works in every game after this as well. So Really? <laughs> that's just um, a, that's just the thing this series does. Cause they're like early, early twenties. Mm-hmm. Except for I think one of them. Yeah. And I was like you're like almost 40 buddy come on come on come on come on um and he also just like lays it on thick sometimes in those conversations I'm like whoa buddy you gotta like somebody get a spray bottle spray him down <laughs> <laughs> gotta calm down buddy it was intense it's very goofy. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if a dude said some of the stuff he said to me, I don't know how I'd react. I might, like, laugh in his face because I'm so uncomfortable or, like, <laughs> I don't know, just freak out. But he, he he was laying it on thick. That he does. Not all the time. Sometimes he was nice, but sometimes he was just like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> and the other thing that was neat about it um, is that as you go on dates with these girls, you can invite them to do karaoke with you. Yeah. And um, that is how I got introduced to the amazingness that is like a butterfly. Is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, that song. It's real good. That song. It's real good. Like, the the girl part of it's fine. Like, it, it it's, the song itself is not, amazing it's just the cure you part it's just the cure you part because one he's just like interjecting the whole time and it's hilarious but then like once it changes and gets to the like um like the climax of the song he's got on these stupid glasses yeah <laughs> it's so good oh man that that was that was a plus right there very very good very good it's true. Um, so yeah, like the the side stuff I think in this game is real fun. Um, mm-hmm. and goes to some real goofy places because of course it does. Um, we also did all the sub quests because you know why not? Why not? It's just it's it's very easy to do that in these games because you actually know where the sub stories are going to be. <laughs> right. Very much helps. Um, I think we have to talk about if we're going to talk about the story. There's one thing we have to talk about first, and that is how I showed after we beat Yakuza Kiwami. Yes. I immediately was like, I'm going to show you a trailer for Kwame 2. Yes. Because I was like, because, you know, you had to see a little bit of like, what's 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 about to happen in this game? And mm-hmm. also, there was a very specific thing I wanted you to see. Mm-hmm. That they show in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And that was about the Majima Saga plot, where we saw the return of one Makoto Makimura. Mm-hmm. And I remember you getting to that scene and literally screaming. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I did. Which was exact the exact reaction I was hoping for. I saw her face and I was like, ah! <laughs> it's you! You're back! Mm-hmm. 
so I um pretty pretty stoked about that so we started with the Majima thing which made sense and I'm glad that you did it that way because um it really made a lot of stuff make sense more in like the main plot yeah because technically it is a prequel to what happens in Kiwami 2 mm -hmm. um, so um a plus plus on your decision on that part but which essentially the whole thing with the Majima plot is like you know there's some stuff going down in the Tojo clan because of Terada coming in and he's trying to kind of reform things after everything that went down and at the end of Yakuza One, and things aren't really coming to head as smoothly as people would like and everything. But really, all of that's kind of the the ancillary parts to Majima reunites with Makoto again. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So like the, these these whole pieces are moving because like they're trying to figure out who's going to be like the new captain, I guess. Yes. I, I don't remember which role it is, but yeah. they're like, yeah, it's going to be whoever makes the most money. And it's obviously this Uematsu guy and Majima rolls up. is like, is it though? <laughs> is it going to be him? I've got this giant barrel full of money that I just, you know, happened upon um, I'm just gonna sit in this chair and manspread like crazy. Mm -hmm. What up, guys? Um, and it it it's it's that guy that gets killed, right? And he's like, "Oh no, this was one of my dudes." Uh, it was Uematsu. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And. Like he he goes to the florist to figure out who did it, and that's how he ends up getting the agreement about purgatory. Mm -hmm. And he's like, "Oh, that's my dude. Okay, well that's a problem. I gotta go find him. Oh no, I have to go to Zombori. Oh <laughs> this no, this is awkward. Oh, man, look how much this place has changed. Real weird. Real weird, man. Um, there's a there's a scene where you go and meet with like the the former owner of Club Odyssey. Mm -hmm. and like try to just exchange information and be like hey do you know where this dude is and everything and he's like yeah I've, I knew of him but I, like it's been a long time I don't know where exactly he, he's been recently and then like Majima leaves and then Yuki like walks out onto like the balcony of uh, of their club and she's like why does that guy look familiar this <laughs> <laughs> is a very good just kind of hint at what's to come in the, the main game and everything mm -hmm. um, you get to go to the Grand again don't you, you yeah you do go to the Grand again um, talk to some gals there so you can get some information yes uh, but eventually it leads you 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 eventually find out like oh he used to hang out in this mahjong parlor that was above a massage parlor and the mm -hmm. massage parlor is Hugushi uh, Kaiken mm -hmm. the same one from Zero and he's like oh boy I don't know if I want to do this or not <laughs> <laughs> um, but like he like he runs into like the receptionist who like is not Makoto so he's kind of like oh okay and she's like he like asks her for information about this dude and she knew him and all this stuff and, but she's like but I gave you all this information why don't you do stay and get a massage and he's like I don't really want to but and she's like please and he's like oh, okay well give me the shortest massage you have I'll I'll do it she's basically like I stuck my neck out for you man come on so like yeah he, he she sets him up and everything and then she's like oh Tatiyama, you came back. Do you want to take care of this patient in the first on the first bed? And she's like, she's okay. the best one we got. Yep. And he, Majima is like none the wise about it. Yeah. Um. And then like she comes in and introduces herself and like he looks back and he's like, oh. F yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that he basically has to like keep quiet the whole time because he doesn't want to know it. 
her to know it's him. And he keeps hiding his face. Mm-hmm. Like every time she gets like close to his face, he just like turns it the other way on the massage bed, which there's so many things he does on that massage bed. I'm like, that is not how you do it. It'd be so uncomfortable. But at the same time, the man is extremely uncomfortable yes. right now. So, you know, whatever. But uh, we get to hear what she's been up to. Mm-hmm. And she talks about, like, there was a, a guy that helped her out. She never learned his name, but she's really thankful. And she just wishes she could say thank you to him at some point. And mm-hmm. that now she's married and she got a, a, a son? Got a kid. I think it's a son. And she wears the, the watch as a memento, essentially. She has, like, yeah. she's got new bands on it because the old band's, like, broke. So, but she she's like, I have to keep this watch because it's so important to me. But she doesn't like the band. She yeah. she was saying that she liked the old style better, but she's got to keep the watch. And, um, man, the line that he, he says as he's walking Well, like, out, before like, she go before, before that, like, she, like, is like, have we met before? And then, like, he yeah, shakes yeah, his yeah. head no. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, do you want to have a points card for us? And he's like, sure. And he's like, oh, did, was the, was everything good for you? And then he's like, you worked out a bunch of, like, knots that i've had for 20 years essentially for 18 years yeah so he she says something like it was around years ago mm-hmm. and then when he when he's walking has said you've worked out a bunch of knots that i've had for 18 years so he like knows exactly how long it's been mm-hmm. um and i think that that was also a nod for her yeah um because and then- like who else would know that you know yeah exactly and then basically you kind of like learn who's behind everything uh this dude named abuchi you fight him in the grand uh but eventually he gets moided or he he kills himself he kills himself yeah yeah. because he doesn't want to like take or take responsibility for his actions and everything um all over the floor does gnarly at least the carpet's red and then basically in order to like fix everything because they're like, Oh man, if, if we don't do anything about this, like the Omi Alliance is going to come over and like roll heads on us. Majima's mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to disband my family. That's it. Cause they, him and Terada go to the Omi headquarters in, to, mm-hmm. in order to do that. So Majima basically quits the Tojo clan and then goes over to where purgatory and the homeless King came. was, and he starts Majima construction to begin the Kamarocha Hills complex. Mm-hmm. And then basically the the post credit scene is you see, uh, Makoto is on a plane, where she's supposed to be because the the receptionist at the massage parlor tells Majima afterwards they're like oh she's leaving the country in a week, Majima's like ah, <laughs> she opens up like her purse and like pulls out this gift and it's like the receptionist told her oh you know this person came and said it she brought you one, this gift and everything before you left must have been one of your regulars or something, and. She hadn't opened it before, and she opens it on the plane and sees the the bands for the the watch and realizes whose it's from. It's the bands that she likes. Yeah. And so she she gets her closure and that she finally was able to thank mm-hmm. the man that she wanted to thank. Yeah, and like you see, like a little bit later, like her husband wakes up and is like, "Oh, do you have any regrets about leaving Japan?" She's like, "No, I've got no regrets anymore." It's very good. My heart. <laughs> it hurt me. Mm-hmm. It hurt me. Yeah. I I know. I. Well, did you know what makes it worse though? 
his karaoke song. Oh yeah. <laughs> his karaoke song makes it so much worse. <laughs> oh my god, I forget exactly how it translates, but it's basically like um like as long as you're happy or something like that. And the whole thing is basically about like I would go through hell, I would be miserable i would do all this stuff like as long as you're happy and it goes with the whole like i love you thing and it shows a bunch of scenes from zero with them together and um then the thing that i pointed out to you which i'm sure you noticed um is that like he he does most of the song in like his like crazy persona that he's got um he's like over exaggerating things he's kind of yelling things when he's singing it um, but by like the final line of it, he switches back into his zero voice. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> my heart, my heart. <sighs> Intellectual me says that is the right thing to do. She will have a better life. She will have no no creepy crawlies coming after her. She will have a, a husband and a kiddo and everything will be all right. But the romantic in me is like, no, <laughs> no. So it hurt me quite a bit. Yeah. Yep. So he has chosen to be sad instead. But at least she got to thank him. <laughs> uh, so that's the Majima story. Uh, we won't go fully into the details with the actual main story of Kiwami 2, but like, tell me what you thought about the, the, the full story of Kiwami 2. So, um, where do I even start, man? There's a lot of moving pieces that didn't fall together until like the very, very end. Mm-hmm. But I think that that works extremely well because the whole time I'm just like, okay, how is this going to play out? Like it, it, it really does have like a sense of mystery to it that one didn't have as much. Yeah. Um, and we were discussing it a little bit when we finished it, but, um, Ryuji at Ryuji as a villain is a very very good villain. Mm-hmm. He is very well written. He's he's got a lot of depth to him, and um, he is I'm trying to think of the correct terminology to use here. He's an interesting foil to the type of yakuza that like Kiryu has been. Yes. And I think that that's an interesting dichotomy because you have the whole idea of like the, the two, there can only be one dragon. Mm -hmm. And so you have these two very, very different style guys that are both using this title of dragon. Um, And you kind of see more of like how this world can work Mm -hmm. um, through him. And like there there's he initially comes off as like a like brash young dude who just doesn't give a shit about anything and like just kind of like cocky and full of himself and you know thinks he knows better than anybody he comes across that at first mm-hmm. um 
And I, I appreciate that he definitely becomes not just that. Because <laughs> uh, that would have been annoying. And um, that, yeah. Um, Ryuji really kind of embodies like that, that whole like mystique of like the code of honor of a Yakuza or something like that. Where like, he, yeah, he does all like this very bad stuff. Like he's very much like, you know, focusing like on brutal guy. Yes. He's focused in on like taking over the Tojo clan and just like demolishing it to, and becoming the, the, the next chairman of the Omi Alliance and all this sort of stuff. But like he, all he does all these like little interesting things where like, you know, if anyone gets in his way of his fight with Kiryu, he messes them up. Cause he's like, this is not what we're supposed to, I, this is what I'm going to do. This is not what I wanted you to do anything like there's the scene with like Sengoku where you know in the the big Osaka castle where like mm-hmm. Sengoku kidnaps Haruka to lure out Kiryu and all this sort of stuff he's like bro what are you doing and Ryuji literally like this? murders him because he's like this is not what we were supposed to be doing we're not going to be going around kidnapping kids and doing this stuff and like murders him tosses him off the castle like gives Kiryu Haruka back and is like a couple days we're going to actually do this and just leaves like sorry man Didn't yeah kid to get kidnapped that's kind of messed up like there's all right, this, see you in a little bit. We're gonna fight. Like Ryuji really wants to like prove himself against Kiryu because like they they have like you know obviously the dragon tattoo and everything, but like they are essentially kind of two guys are just gonna butt heads essentially. But like I think like with Ryuji in particular, like there's this he wouldn't admit it probably, but there's definitely this low like lying level of respect for Kiryu because like he understands like this is a guy that I need to beat, I need to fight, and I also want to fight because I want to test myself, I want to prove myself as like a Yakuza he, like, member. He definitely could like at least to himself he could admit that, but I don't think he could out loud. Right? right yeah. Yeah, you're definitely right. I I think that especially if there is dialogue, you get that sense. Mm-hmm. Like if the circumstances were different. And things just magically change, whatever. Like you could easily see Ryuji and Kiryu being like allies at some point. Yes. Like that's the level of like how these characters kind of like mesh well together as, you know, good guy and bad guy. And I especially, I, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but like the ending scenes in particular, like with the the final boss area and like all that. Mm-hmm you really, really get that sense of, like, if circumstances had been very different, they definitely could have been allies. They could have worked together. Mm-hmm. They are they're two people that are cut from the same, like, they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think, like, that ending part specifically is, like, very emblematic of that, where, like, they very much know, hey, we have to fight each other to really just finish this to end everything that's going on. But also because we need to prove to ourselves, like, which one of us is actually the better one. Because it's just a competition between us. Even, like, after that first fight, where, like, Kiryu, like, handily defeats Ryuji, like, they have to fight again because, like, they really have to finally prove to themselves, like, who is the better man here? Yeah. Well, and, I mean, Ryuji got back up, so... Yes. So, like, it's it's not over until someone's down for good, essentially. Right. So, with him back up, he's like, all right, you know what? It's not over. Come on. And, you know, now we've got a few more holes in us, but, yeah. like, let's let's do this. Um, but there is some kind of, like, sense of honor there that you don't necessarily get from some of the other characters that we've dealt with. Like, I know that, like, Nishiki has some, some layers there because of Zero, but I think if you take him as an isolated case in Kiwami 1... Like he does not have the same kind of depth here, no, at all, no, as Ryuji, and so like I appreciated that. 
that they're just like, you know what? This dude's going to have, he's going to have, he's like an onion. He's got layers. Mm-hmm. He is Shrek. <laughs> God. <laughs> he's a tall man. It was still your pants, which that is something that they say at one point in, in, uh, in one of the like side dialogue bits. Yeah, that was really good. That was really good. Um, I think one of the other interesting things about this game that like it's kind of understated that you you kind of have to like look for particularly is like the idea of Kiryu kind of just like subtly like trying to find a way to die in this game after yeah. everything that happened in in Kiwami One because like he's not really like outwardly saying or anything but like he's kind of doing like a bunch of risky things in order to like still save the Tojo Clan but like you know if I can find an honorable way to die via these circumstances Sign i will take it up. yeah because like you know he takes on the the role of like i'm gonna go find the next chairman for the tojo clan i'm gonna find daigo i'm gonna go to the omi and try and break or like broker this alliance between the two of our groups and everything like i'm going to be the one that does that and if it puts me in harm's way so be it and like there are several times that he's told like you know this is trap right he's like yeah i know mm-hmm. duh <laughs> um but yeah, I think that that's really interesting. And and we were talking about this a little bit last night. Like, everybody he really cared about is dead. Yeah. And so, like, that's that's something hard that you have to live with. Like, you know, his father figure's dead. Found out that his father figure actually killed his real parents. <laughs> Didn't really get a whole lot of closure on that one. Nope. Um, You know, his, his sworn brother's dead. The woman that he was in love with is dead. Like, everybody's dead. And he just, at the beginning of the game, he watches the dude he instilled as, as the next chairman of the Tojo clan die in front of him. Right. So, like, he, I, I knew that was shady. I knew it was shady. So, like, there's just, like, a lot of death that's just been following him. And, like, that that's going to weigh a lot on a person. Yeah. Like, I know, like, he's kind of probably, like, trying to take it on the chin because, like, he wants to live for Haruka and everything now. But, like, that's a lot to deal with. Right. And I mean, like, he's definitely not, like, openly suicidal or anything. No. But he's, he's, like you said, taking a lot more risks than he probably should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like, there are several places in this game that, like, Kiryu definitely could have died. Yeah. And I, I, I think you're right that it's, it's, kind of a, a searching for an honorable way to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like one of the ways that they're trying to counter that with the narrative and I would argue one of the weakest parts of this is the romance. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you were saying that there was an adult romance. It's what it said. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I was just, you know, that, that had the whole thing of like, hey, he had this, this girl, girl, growing up that he was like super in love with and like apparently she had the hots for him and she just died last year mm-hmm. um and now he's raising her daughter and now he's on the um, rebound <laughs> now he's on the rebound and again here's like 38 39 something like that and um what's her name Kaoru? yeah Ka- Ka- um she's 25 bro she's too young for you <laughs> Um, but she is a a Yakuza hunter cop. Um, 
Which that's your first mistake. Don't hit a cop. I think like I like the the character of Kaoru. I think she brings a a fun I like dynamic. Her. I like her a lot. Yeah. I don't like them as a couple. As a I romance. I would agree with that because like I think it just it feels too shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. Like I think you could just have her as a character as like an a new ally. Yeah. And be okay with it because like to this to this point there hasn't been a lot of like you know like strong women characters that are going to like help you in fights and stuff like that. Right. So like that's a it's an interesting idea that they've brought to the table with this game in particular, but then like they kind of just shoehorn this romance because like we need to make this more dramatic and everything, and then like like this is kind of a little bit of a spoiler for three, but you know this now, but like because of the romance stuff, like they basically write her out at the very beginning of Yakuza three, yeah, and she's never seen again. Yeah, I I you were asking like what do you think Kiri's up to, and I was like I don't know, but I'm definitely gonna guarantee that they're not together anymore because you can't have some of the side stories where he's like out doing shenanigans when he's got a committed girlfriend yeah um so i knew that that was going to happen but i i really like her as a character and i really like her um like how she fits into the the greater story of the 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 korean mafia like, that was really, really cool. And, you know, her and Ryuji had that really, really good scene at the end mm-hmm. um, that shows a bit more of his, like, human side yeah. that you don't really get to see a lot of in the game. It was like, oh, you know, that's really good. I like that a lot. Um, But then there's, like, the kissing scenes with <laughs> her and Kiryu. Like, the first one, they're in Serena, and, like, he just, like, mashes his face against her and she has her arm straight down i'm like um um and like there's no preamble to it there's no build up he just like like a snake it was weird and then they just don't address that at all at all uh they continue on doing the thing and then like at the ending scene where they're like oh well we're gonna die they just like full on make out (laughs) they do that's like the most making out i think i've ever seen in a game because usually you just see people like kiss in a video game like you don't see them make out but they were making out that's the power of the playstation 4 you know what i guess it is because they were they were going to town and she was like you know what you got a few bullet holes in you but let me fill these abs buddy (laughs) Um, <laughs> we're gonna die. Why not? Um, which, yeah. <laughs> and then the stupid song came <laughs> on, <laughs> and that was easily like the worst part of this game for me was them just making out while they're thinking they're gonna die to this really garbage song. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it was a really good game. <laughs> But the romance part of it was, is, yeah, but I liked her as a character and I, I liked the dynamic that they had. Yeah, because I think, like, if, if you just take out the romance stuff, like, they have a very interesting dynamic. And I think, like, them two kind of together also kind of lets Kiryu pop out of, like, his just, like, I'm a tough guy shell. Yeah. To where, like, he can, like, you know, talk, like, about emotions and stuff like that and, like... It's, like the scene on the rooftop is fantastic. It really is, and like it's something it's like really you would good. not have seen in like the first game in particularly. Right. So like it adds like this new dynamic to his character and everything. So like I think all that stuff like very getting good. the teddy bear and all that. Like mm-hmm. it was really really good. Mm-hmm. Oh oh, are you okay? Oh no. Oh. I think he's okay. He bonked his head on the fan. Oh no. <laughs> Kitty concussion. 
Oh no. Um, but I really, really like that rooftop scene. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think if they had just left her as a character that lets him come out of, of that shell a little bit more and get a little bit more comfortable with himself and even maybe just like started to be more okay, like helping him heal. Yeah. Um I would have liked that better than like let's throw in some smooching that really doesn't seem to fit at all and like <laughs> never talk about the fact that we have feelings except for she at the very end it's like I love you and I'm like whoa you've known him like two weeks <laughs> but um and also you know way too old for you me um, I think as well, like, you know, we talked about Ryuji being the villain, but, like, this game, I think, really goes into, like, the multiple avenues of villains coming at you mm-hmm. in a way that, like, the first game really didn't, to where, mm-hmm. like, you know, you have Ryuji and the Omi, the Goryu clan coming after Kiryu and Kamurocho and the Tojo clan and everything, but then you have, like, all the internal strife in the Tojo clan where, like, you know, there's the dude from the Nishiki family, you yep. know, trying to break out and everything, and then you have the emergency. And trying to, like, mac on the, the wife of... Dojima. Dead, dead Dojima. Yeah, that was like, weird. Whoa. And then obviously you have like the the emergence of the Jingwan Mafia in this game. Um, so like there's so many like different factions that are kind of coming at you at once, but like at different ways and intersecting various points and everything. And I think the game does a really good job of kind of like handling all three of these groups coming at you and not yes. making it too overwhelming. And also yes. just making each group kind of like different in like what they want to do specifically their goals stand out. Mm-hmm. They're not the exact same goals, even though sometimes they align. And I think that's a good thing. Um, and the whole like mystery of the, the is Jing Won, is that how you say it? I think so. Anyway, the Korean mafia, um, like that whole mystery of like, who fits into that? Who are these survivors? And like trying to figure out, who all has these pieces moving around in it. Like that was really interesting, even though Kiryu as a 12 year old was a giant. (laughs) I think this remake took liberties with how they, how they made him look. Yeah. Like he, he definitely looks like he was at least 16. And that's what we we initially thought. Like, Oh, he's probably like 15 or 16. And you're like, no, he's 12. He's 12. I look, I, I did the math and I'm like, Oh my God, bro. Holy moly. Um, But, I mean, as we were going through and, like, smaller pieces of this were clicking in a place and clicking in a place and clicking in a place, it's like, oh, okay, 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 all right, all right, I get this, this is kind of cool. And, like, you just kept building on that and kept building on it until you had, like, the completed puzzle. I'm like, all right, this is cool. And um, speaking of me shouting... (laughs) Man, I did not expect that guy to show up. So, like, yeah, the Terrador reveal, I think, is is kind of one of the, the things that they really hide well. Mm-hmm. I told you that there was something suspect about the way that man died. I mm-hmm. told you. Because it was like, they're not even trying to revive him. What the heck? And then just shows up at the end and is like, hey, by the way, I'm the, like the last survivor of the Jingwan Mafia from that what that up? raid in 1980. And you were like, he shows up because like, like, you hear his voice first and Kira's like, I know that voice. And then it, the camera pans to him and it shows him. And you were like, what? <laughs> it was really good. And he's got a bomb. 
it's for the the cop guy who died all also duck lips died and that was her dad yep so like there was a lot of connections there and um you know there's there's a conversation that they have about like you know i i know what um What's what's it? Um, I always confuse. It's Kazama, right? Kazama, yeah. Yeah, um, their names are too close together. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, he's like, I I know what, why you feel like you owe him so much, and like, was any of that actually real? Blah 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 blah. blah. Um, and they have a conversation. that's like, oh yeah, that's what the trust me meant. And it's like, oh, I thought he meant trust me about the fact that the bomb wasn't gonna go off. <laughs> Well, I think it's kind of like part and parcel with that. Yeah, like, hey, bro. But I think I, that I think there's like I, a. I, I, oh. I, I think that like there's another real interesting thing of like here's another villain that has layers to it where like he, where Terada comes in is like you know, you know I've been in this this the Jingwa Mafia forever like I had to assume this identity identity for twenty plus years now. And, like, we're finally going to enact this plan that we've been trying to do for ages now. But by the end of it, he still has this, like, conflicted feeling of, like, what should I do this for real? Yeah, like, do I actually live by this awful motto we yeah. have? Um, and, like, when he gets shot many times, um, the igniter, like, falls out of his pocket. I was like, <laughs> um. So yeah, bro wasn't gonna go through that anyway. I think maybe the like kind of the weak part of like the villainy whole groupness of, of the Yashita one guy two. just shows up, uh, shoots yeah. him, and then dies. Takashima just shows up. It's like because he's been shady the whole time. You don't know exactly yeah. what he's doing, and then he just shows up, murders Terada, but then immediately he shoots like Kiryu a bunch, shoots the uh, Ryuji's dad, dad quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um. And then just gets murdered by Ryuji. Like, you don't fight him as a boss fight. He just shows up, does his thing, and then dies. It's real weird. It's real weird. Like, he shoots Kiryu twice. Um, Ryuji's fake dad, the Omi guy, he's super dead. He got shot. He got shot a lot. And he, he shoots Terada a lot. a lot more. Yeah, a lot more. He shoots Ryuji. And the Ryuji's like, bro... Uh-uh. And just, like, lays into him. And he's just out of the picture. I'm like, alright, yep. well. Cool, I guess. It's real weird. It's very weird. That guy basically showed up to die. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, You know what his role really was, honestly? What? His role was to make sure that Kiryu didn't kill a man. Yeah. Because Kiryu won the fight with Ryuji, but he didn't kill him. Mm -hmm. Ryuji was going to die because he got shot a lot and was bleeding out. And he actually got hit in like more significant parts of the body than Kiryu did. Mm -hmm. um, so like I think that was part of his role was to make sure that Kiryu did not kill a guy. Kiryu has never murdered a man in his life. I mean, you know, all those all those awful things of stabbing people through the gut. And <laughs> I, don't, that I don't know what you're talking about. None of that happened. They're all okay. Yeah. They all walked it off. You know, Japan has healthcare, right? Yeah. It's fine. 
fine. They're fine. <laughs> Ryuji, not fine. No. Somebody else got to him, so he doesn't get to he doesn't get to live. Yep. But yeah, I think that's part of why he shows up is literally just to, to keep that burden off. That makes it makes sense. But um yeah, narratively I was just like what? Why are you here? <laughs> um, but the Teradov one was good and it made the whole thing of like me yelling at the beginning that nobody was even trying to revive him make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like all of that was super good. And I, I, like I said, the only thing that just really threw me off was the fact that they were just making out up there, like super going to town. Wild. Mm. Oh, oh, we also have to talk about the helicopter guy. Oh yeah. There's the, the one <laughs> cop that, that is like allies with Date and everything and helps out with Kiryu a little bit like here and there. Again, just shows up in a helicopter, like the same as the end of Yakuza 1. And it's like, hey, you guys got to get out of here. Kiryu's like, nope, sorry, we're staying. And then it's like, okay, we're leaving. Bye. Bye. Like, let's Haruka see him a little bit, like, bleeding on the ground. (laughs) He's like, bro, really? He's like, we got to get out of here. We don't want to get blown up. I mean, like, that is a valid point that he has, but it's also hilarious that that's his role again. Yeah. It's just to show up, be the guy at the helicopter, and then leave. It's real funny. It's basically like he's the way to make it so that Date can speak to Kiryu during important scenes and then have him go away. That's yeah. that's his role. You're not wrong. Because you don't need Date, like, in the middle of all these, like, explosions and stuff yeah um but i just love that guy he's like i have a helicopter i'm gonna use it all right cool i'm done i like to take this baby out once a year it's hilarious (sighs) i also really appreciated the scene where they are in purgatory and they're talking about like oh man it'd be really great if like our, our surveillance system still worked Majima <laughs> just shows up and starts banging his head as hard as he can against the desk and I'm like what is he doing oh man I'm like yeah that feels that feels about right that's Majima it's Majima and it worked yeah eventually but yeah good thing he's wearing a helmet I don't know like that man's gonna have a real bad headache or maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I don't know what to say about him anymore. <laughs> he's, he's wild. A, he's and... a real mystery. He really is. But yeah, the whole like banging on there is like, wow, that is an extreme head desk. Yep. Wild. Um. And Haruka kept asking to go to the casino down there. Haruka also wild and. I'm like, no, you can't go. You can't go to purgatory. There's a prostitution ring down there. We can't take a child down there. She just kept asking you over and over and over and over and over. Why are they? Why are the girls locked in cages down there? Kid, we can't. Uh, we can't talk about that. You'll, you'll learn when you're older. There were two things that she kept asking of you. They're like, no. One of them was to go to the casino, and the other was to play the game. Yep. <laughs> you're like, no, I'm bad at it. Stop asking. <laughs> super funny i did like that you got more bonding time with her in this one though yeah um i thought that was a pretty cool part of it they actually like let them have a bit of a relationship Mm -hmm. in this 
Um, like they show you at the very beginning, like they're living in an apartment together and like he's, he's her guardian, but like you have the scenes where she can like hang out with you around town. You can like go get her snacks, very expensive snacks. She must think you're made of money. I mean, we were kind of made of money at that point. It's true, but she knew. <laughs> She's like, my uncle is rich. My Yay! uncle got 30 million yen from his cabaret job. <laughs> and then never went back. <laughs> I couldn't go into the cabaret club. Oh, we tried to take her to the we cabaret club. We did try club. to take her into the cabaret club, and the game's like, no. No. What are you doing? You can't take a child to the cabaret. But you can't take a child into a bar. Or and a you can take her into a place with a prostitution ring. Yeah. Good lord. Um, but yeah, like there there was a lot of really, really good stuff going on with this game. Um one of the, the things that I'm still a little bit lost on, and maybe you can clarify this to me, like the dude from Stardust. Like, he had a replacement at one point, and I was like, why is that guy relevant? Why did they pick that guy? It was, like, six months ago they replaced him. Right. I think it was because, like, the Jingwa Mafia was trying to implant themselves in the Kamurocho to get ready for everything that was going to happen during the events of Kiwami 2. So they mm -hmm. needed people on the ground to, like, coordinate all that. So mm -hmm. they they basically kidnapped the dude from Stardust, whatever his name is. I forget. Because, um, like, that would be a prominent place to kind of like get a look out on things, hear stuff about, you know, what's happening in the city and everything. So it's like a prime location for them to learn about Intel and everything to, to eventually enact their plans and everything. Um, but yeah, it's a very, it's kind of a thing that like they bring up a little bit and then just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> that one. And the, the part where like part of the millennium tower got exploded again. Yeah. They just like very briefly bring that up one more time. Like that 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 thing happened anyways. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, um is is the Millennium Tower okay? Like are they gonna repair it? I was like, what happened to the florist's office? Wasn't it up there? Like um, No, he was fine. Like that upper structure of the Millennium Tower at this point, between that explosion <laughs> and the explosion a year ago, like they're really, really gonna have to do some reinforcement. They're just like constantly having to do repairs every year. <laughs> every time around like, Christmas, they're just like, "Oh God, don't, don't, please, no more explosions." <laughs> um, and it threw me off that the final final showdown was not there because. Like, it, you you were saying that everything big goes down in Millennium Tower, and then we're like, well, let's go to Kamarocho Hills. I'm like, what? Got to change it up every now and then. Um, apparently, Majima's been doing some hard work to make that the tallest place in Kamarocho. I mean, he's been working on it for, like, ten months at that point. Um, Yeah, fair. Uh, Another thing that I do think we have to talk about, because it was hilarious is that we decided we were going to do all the the sexy photo shoots. Yep. <laughs> uh, not as fun as the uh, sexy videos that you could get in Zero. But I think this is kind of goofier because, like, you have to, like, make up sentences to tell the girls. Yeah. And that's far as real weird. It's real weird. You can say some funny stuff to them. <laughs> yes. Um, so how it works is like you, you pick a girl and then you pick what kind of outfit she's wearing and you have to like 
they're a live action girl doing all this posing and then you have like a shot of Kiryu in the top right ish like with a camera and he's like <laughs> yeah let's do the thing and um while he's taking pictures like in order to progress with her and like make her happy you have to say the right thing mm-hmm. but you have to make the sentence by like pressing the correct like sequence and sometimes you have no idea where the sentence is gonna go yeah sometimes it's like this this makes sense but it's wrong yeah it's kind of um, weird but like it's it's also like weird that like for the most part i think they just made those specific sequences for the game that's what it looked like because there was like a credits thing for the person who filmed those yeah so like that's weird <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very very odd i liked the first girl that we we took the photos of better mm-hmm. um but yeah there were there was like a cheerleader outfit. There was some bathing suits. Santa. Santa. I don't remember the rest of them. Maid. There was a maid outfit. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, the thing that was so obnoxious and like you had to hear me get so upset about this several times is that there was this leather couch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that they kept like crawling on and making like the awful leather sounds. I'm like, oh, God, stop. Someone didn't realize that that was going to be bad for audio. <laughs> no, no. It's like the least sexy thing in the world to have like a girl crawling on this like creaky leather couch. I'm like, oh, oh, stop. It's terrible. It's like the, the the knuckle cracking sound that they do. It's wrong. <laughs> like the, the the leather couch and the knuckle cracking. Terrible sounds. Never, ever, 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 ever. Um, so that, that kind of reduced the level of sexiness that existed in those videos when the leather couch <laughs> sounds were happening. It's like, oh, cool. This girl's bending over to shore, but <laughs> leather sounds. It's like, oh, well, never mind. <sighs> Um, but those were hilarious, and we just like stayed up pretty late one night just doing that. Just knocking them all out, yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. Kiryu just looked like a freaking perv, like going in <laughs> one session. All right, I'm done. All right, let's go right back in. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, they were all like, like POV videos of. You just being a photographer taking pictures of these gals. Yeah. Kiryu's just up there animated taking his his pictures. Very, very funny. Like I said, not as good as the Zero ones, but um, an interesting idea nonetheless. Yes. Yes. I don't know what happens uh in three through five if there's i don't know if there's anything like that i don't remember because i haven't really played through three or four i don't remember anything like that in five there could be Mm -hmm. but i just don't remember uh so we might have to wait until six to get our next weird sexy times thing oh no we're gonna go through a dry spell it's true uh which we're gonna see here you learn how to talk in in a let's say a free cams website (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, I I have something to look forward to now. It's real goofy. Amazing. Real goofy. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank yeah. you for that news. <laughs> um but yeah, that that was real good. 
Um, I also do think that despite the fact that uh, we have Kiryu's fantastic glasses and uh, Majima's his heartbreaking song, um, this is the weakest one for karaoke so far. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so that was kind of a bummer, but um, I do think the story was really, really good, mm-hmm. and I was super into it. Yeah. Um, you know, had parts I didn't like, but had parts that I really, really liked, and um, I definitely liked it better than I liked one. Not surprised by that. Yeah. Even though they want to hurt me real bad. That's all they want to do. I'm just interested to see how this whole situation goes with like how they address this fact that like they're definitely gonna break up. Yeah. Curious. You will learn soon enough. Rip Curious love life. Poor guy. Yeah, I mean, he got to have a hot makeout session by a bomb <laughs> while he was shot twice and also had the crap beat out of him by her brother who's dead. You know. Romance. 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 But, you know, I, I guess that's uh, it's not enough to make her stay, huh? Oh man, that poor guy. This, my friend. You gotta date people your own age. I was like, you should go after Yuki. She's cute, and I like her. And she's your age, buddy. God, can you imagine, like, how much fun Majima would have if Kiryu and Yuki ended up dating? Can you imagine the fun he would have? Oh my god, he would just like be a super troll constantly. Hilarious. And they didn't even let us go on any dates with her. (laughs) Rude. So rude. She was cute though. Mm -hmm. Man. Did I cover all the things that you thought I was going to cover? I think so. Did I cover all the things that I thought I was going to cover? I don't know. I don't know. My brain is just stupid lately and can't remember things. So I did the best that I could. You did. Burr brain. Burr brain. Burr brain. Um, I did establish the fact, though, that Kiryu is a Dorito. And that is important information. All right. <laughs> He's shaped like a Dorito. The Dorito man. He's a Dorito man. Lives off of his muscle soda and whatever junk food that we throw him at, except for the wings, because you kept breaking the wings windows and they wouldn't let you have them. It's true. <laughs> that poor building. It's like, no, get out of here. I'm like, okay. Okay, I won't have wings today. Guess I'll leave. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to cover it for our Al Experiences Yakuza Kiwami 2 segment. 
Yay. It was good. It was good. Uh, eventually, we'll dive into Yakuza 3 at some point. You'll get to experience that, and I'll also get to experience that. Woo! I'm excited for us to both experience it at the same time. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. It will be. It'll be like... Well, you've only played two chapters of it. Yes. So, we'll both be experiencing everything simultaneously. So, you won't be like, oh, man, I'm waiting for this to happen. Right. So, I'll be like, I don't know what's going to happen. Ooh, this will be wild. Ooh. Yay! So, we're going to get into some uncharted territory soon, but um, I am going to play another game first. I'm also going to play another game first. And then also yeah. at some point we have to we got some March Madness to deal with mm-hmm. this month. So it is March officially. We got to figure that out at some point. Yeah, yeah. So the the I think Alex experiences the Yakuza series will be on the the back burner for a little bit, but it'll eventually come back. So look forward to that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's gonna wrap up this episode. So if you'd like more from us, go to SeasonalAmbitCheckup.com or SAC.cools where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Seasonal Amateur Checkup and Jared Now Watch. You can also find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you'd like more from Anladium, go to Anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash AnimeCheckup. You can buy our books, One Shining Moment, A Critical Analysis of Love, Life, Sunshine, and Hot Tubs and Pac-Man on Amazon.com. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A, buy us a slice of pizza, get access to unedited versions of the podcast early before anyone else, and you get bonus episodes as well where we just talk about random stuff. Who knows what it'll be. Surprise. Surprise. So next week, we might be talking about the game Al was talking about playing. I don't know how long that game is, so I don't know if we will or not. I don't know. I mean... I, I just started it, so. Yeah, we'll figure that out. So yeah. So tune in next week for something. Yay.